Good morning. Um, <clears throat> I was asked to speak on joy. <laughs> and it's gone. <laughs> Maybe somebody should sit around the corner. <laughs> All right, I will speak loudly. This is better. Neighbors can hear you. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. <laughs> right? So uh, I was asked to speak on joy, and a couple weeks ago, by Mary asked, is kind of a relative term with Mary. Um, <laughs> and you start thinking about things. You start noticing things around, right? You start kind of pondering this stuff and and things kind of jump out at you like there's a you know joy ornaments and and stuff and it's like you, you really start to say, yeah i got this it's joy it's no problem and you start like researching stuff and reading stuff and then it, you just get all confused um <laughs> so that's where i've been with this so hopefully this will make some some sense but all of us can relate to being joyful at some point in our lives right and you're probably thinking about those moments now as you just think of the word joy, you know, the joyful moments in your life or the, the people and, and things that bring you joy in your life. I mean, sometimes we even name our kids joy Amen. Or, or our dog. <laughs> um, but sometimes we, we struggle to grasp the biblical, the biblical view of joy because of the way that it's defined and the way that it's described in our culture today. In particular, we often confuse joy with, with happiness. And we can see it thrown all, all around this time of year in our lawn decorations. We, we're driving through um, the Creedmoor one day, and there was a big thing just said joy in the front yard. That was all it was. It was just joy. And I thought, do these people really understand what that means? You see it in like throw pillows and ornaments and even packs of Oreos. We bought a pack of Oreos at the store, and it just said joy. The O was an Oreo. They were red. <laughs> Pretty tasty, you know. You see it, I mean, you're just going to Target, and it's all, it's just thrown at you. Um, <clears throat> recently, Mary Kondo has taught us the, the only, to only hold on to material things in our lives that spark joy. And the rest of it, you let it go so it could spark somebody else's joy, right? <laughs> and advertisers know all too well the power of joy, from perfumes and sodas to candy bars and cars. Um, a few years back, BMW had an ad campaign that simply stated, Joy is BMW. And I actually found this oh. in my oh. collection of BMW paraphernalia <laughs> this morning. <laughs> it says, Joy is BMW. Okay? And I'm probably the foremost expert in this room to tell you about the joy of driving a BMW. <clears throat> and I can certainly attest to that joy. But if you only experience joy in your best days or through material objects and earthly experiences, you've not yet tasted the best joy. So the word joy appears over and over again and is a key theme running throughout the scriptures. For instance, the Psalms are filled with references to joy. The psalmists write, Weeping may tarry for the night, but joy comes with the morning. And shout for joy, shout for joy to God all the earth. Likewise, in the New Testament, we read that joy is a fruit of the Holy Spirit which means that it's a Christian virtue. And given this biblical emphasis, we need to understand where joy comes from and pursue it wholeheartedly. In the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John is the last of the I Am sayings where Jesus said, 
I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. The point Jesus is making here is that we will be fruitless and will all wither spiritually if we do not abide in Christ, the true vine. To put it simply, all of our efforts that we can, that we, <clears throat> all of the efforts that we make to be joyful, to be productive, or to achieve anything worthwhile in the kingdom of God are exercises in futility if we try to do them by our own power. Christians need to understand that without a strong connection to Christ, who is the power supply, we will be completely fruitless. It is Jesus, the vine, that provides the fruit, and we, the branches, bear the fruit, including the fruit of joy. Jesus continued, saying, I am the vine, and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers. And the branches are gathered, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be made in you, and that your joy may be full. It's only in that final verse of the passage that Jesus explains why he had taught all the disciples these things. It says that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. And so we need to notice three things in this teaching. First, that the joy of Jesus, the joy that Jesus wants to see in us is his joy. Not a joy like his, but his joy. Earlier in the Gospel of John, Jesus speaks to his disciples about peace, saying, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, do I give to you. The Christian's peace comes from him. In fact, it is his peace. And in the like manner, his own joy is available to us all. And he wants to see us abiding in it. Mm -hmm. Secondly, he wants his joy to remain in us. He wants us to have a permanent joy, not a roller coaster ride of mood shifting between joy and misery like the joys of the world provide. If we want to be consistently joyful, we need to abide in him. Finally, he distinguishes between his joy and our joy and expresses the desire that our joy should be full. He says, and that your joy may be full. Isn't that what we want? We don't want a partial cup of the fruit of the Spirit. We do not want just a little bit of joy. We don't even eat the crumbs of the Oreos. We want the whole, the whole Oreo, maybe the whole bag. <laughs> we want to taste and see that the Lord is good and rejoice in him. We want all of the joy that the Father has stored up for his people. That fullness of joy only comes from Christ. It is first his joy that he gives to us, and as we are plunged into him, this joy that comes from him grows, increases, and becomes full. Not one of us has ever experienced the highest level of joy that is available to the people of God. However much joy you have at this moment, there is more joy to be had. There's a fullness that awaits us as the fruit of the Spirit is nurtured by the true vine. So Advent is a time of waiting to mark the arrival of God himself in human flesh. 
We remember the people of God who waited centuries for the coming of the promised Messiah to rescue them. They had God promise, had God's promises. A seed of the woman who would crush the serpent's head. A prophet like Moses. A priest who would surpass the first covenant order. A son of King David and an heir to his throne who would be greater than David as his Lord. For centuries, God's people waited. But they did not receive what was promised since God had provided something better for us. We now live in the era of the, era of the Messiah, the arrival of great joy. Christ has come at the climax of history and has shown us the Father and his purposes. It is good for us, though, to rehearse the patient waiting and anticipation of God's ancient people and to renew and deepen our appreciation for what we now have in him. For this reason, Advent is a season of minor chords captured so well in songs like O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. And as we wait, we replay the centuries of longing and yearning that preceded the coming of Christ. And in doing so, our joy in what we have in Christ deepens and intensifies. And so we too live with a longing and yearning for Jesus' second coming. Even as our waiting now takes on a new form and rises to a new level of hope, anticipation, and joy in the waiting. And on Christmas Day, those minor chords break into the bright, festive major chords of joy to the world. Usually. (laughs) 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 And it resolves the great tension of ages past, even as they point to the second coming for which we hope. So I'd like to end with a, um, a reading of a liturgy to mark the Christmas season. It comes from a book that Preston introduced to us, um, What Every Moment Holy. So as we prepare our house for this coming Christmas season, we would also prepare our hearts for his return in Christ. You came for your, once for your people, O Lord, and you will come again for us. Though there was no room in the end to receive you upon your first arrival, we would prepare you room here in our hearts and here in our home, Lord Christ. As we decorate and celebrate, we do so to mark the memory of your redemptive movement into our broken world, O God. Our glittering ornaments and Christmas trees, our festive carols, our sumptuous feasts. By these small tokens, we affirm that something amazing has happened in time and in space. That God, on a particular night, in a particular place so many years ago, was born to us an infant king, our prince of peace. Our wreaths and ribbons and colored lights, our giving of gifts, our parties with friends, these have never been ends in themselves. They are but small ways in which we repeat that sounding joy first proclaimed by the angels in the skies near Bethlehem. In view of such great tidings of love announced to us and to all people, how can we not be moved to praise and celebration this Christmas season? As we decorate our tree, as we feast and laugh and sing together, we are rehearsing our coming joy. We are making ready to receive the one who has already with open arms received us. He would prepare, we would prepare you room here in our hearts and here in our home, Lord Christ. Now we celebrate your first coming, Emmanuel, even as we long for your return. O Prince of Peace, our elder brother, return soon. We miss you so. Amen. Mm-hmm.